0: Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. It's pow-wow time. Looking forward to seeing many of you at Mia Bugag next weekend and the weekend after that in Flat Bay. Summer is here, and politicians in Ottawa have packed up and hit the campaign trail for the October election. One of the last items of business for the Trudeau government was to pass Bill C-69, which brings in a new impact assessment process for natural resource projects. Projects such as the Valentine Lake Gold Mine, proposed for traditional Big Territory in the interior of the island. But the new process will not apply to Valentine Lake, because that environmental process has already begun. That's unfortunate, because Bill C-69 increases the opportunity for public participation in resource projects. In fact, under C-69, public and indigenous groups could have been involved in Valentine Lake from the get-go, as soon as Marathon Gold started drilling on crucial caribou habitat. That would have been a good thing, because neither of the Mi'kmaq First Nations has had much to say about Valentine Lake. Which is surprising and disappointing, considering that Marathon Gold came into our traditional territory without even giving the First Nations as much as a heads-up. So, we may have to rely on engaged individuals, rather than ban councils to bring issues to light about the gold mine. June 30th was the deadline for public comment on parameters of the assessment that Marathon Gold must carry out. When that environmental assessment is complete, there'll be a chance for public and indigenous comment. In the next few weeks, there'll be an announcement regarding funding to assist groups who want to make submissions. With the environmental assessment a year or so off, it might seem like there's no rush. But those weeks and months will go quickly, and it will take time to pull things together. So, this episode is meant to get us thinking right now about next steps. Our guest is Jamie Neen from Mining Watch Canada, a national nonprofit organization that monitors mining projects and practices across the country and beyond.
1: Jamie, we're talking about uh, public participation in the Valentine Lake Review. Many people see it as being far off in the future and, you know, things are at a very early point and no need to rush if uh, you're thinking about getting involved. But I wonder if you um, agree with that and um, think that time is of the essence for people thinking about uh, intervening.
2: Well, yes and no. There is only three days left to comment on the draft guidelines. And that's uh, that's the, the guidelines that will be applied to the environmental impact statement that the, the mining company is, is to prepare. So, you know, this is the time to look at those and make sure that any specific concerns that, that people may have are reflected in that. I know um, caribou habitat and caribou migration is, is one example, but... Um, you know, there's lots of others having to do with both the the broader environment, um, you know, fish fish habits, fish migration, fish habitat, uh as well as caribou and, and other other species, but also just you know, the, the broader impacts. So this is a, a a large development and um you know, at at the height of land and it, it is going to have fairly i think fairly broad impacts on on the environment on on the community so you know positive and negative but all those things need to be taken into consideration uh, you know on a on another level um, this is just the first stage in the process and you know there's no participant funding available for this there's not really much of an opportunity to get people organized around it this is just a, you know the first the first stage of of what um, you know will probably take at least another another year and probably several years to get through
1: mm-hmm. so i understand that there'll be an announcement uh, according to melanie smith who was on our program a couple of weeks ago there'll be an announcement. On the uh, Canadian Environmental Assessment Agency, as it's now known, uh, when the participant funding is uh, is announced. So, when that announcement is made, what should people look for?
2: Yeah, there will be. I'm hard to say exactly when, but but probably. Or too many weeks have elapsed there will be an announcement saying that uh, participant funding is available and people should apply for it so at that point I think uh, you know probably have um, a month or so to to put a proposal in and those those applications um, as I say generally around around thirty days uh, will be looked at and then the the agency will make a, a decision after that about Who's qualified for what funding, and that is essentially for um for community groups for the public at large, for individuals uh, to to apply for funding to to review the actual environmental impact statement when it comes out and to prepare themselves to do so so i'm you know I'm talking about um, a fairly thick document. You know often there are thousands of pages of of material and project description and technical descriptions and um engineering plans and so on that that you have to look at and that's where uh, some of that money may might be used to hire a specialist so if there are particular areas of concern that that people want to look at um you know they, they, water movement the, the groundwater and and surface water movement so you might want to um, an engineer uh, looking at that you might want to have a biologist or a specialist looking at some of the the habitat and and um impacts on on animals and fish and so on so that's where you know you don't get a whole lot for the kind of money that they're talking about i think the maximum is about $12,000 for a public intervener, and uh, maybe twice that for an indigenous group to intervene and you know in in panel reviews, it can be more money, but for uh, just a regular environmental review it's it's not actually very much money, and you know by the time you've spent some money to get people organized and hold some meetings and um, get people informed and and involved and um and then maybe spend some more money on on hiring a specialist to look at issues of particular concern. Well, that that money doesn't go very far. And you know, often you know a lot of that work is actually work that called an in-kind contribution. But that's what people are doing on their own. You know, making phone calls and talking to people and getting organized.
1: And who can apply for this funding?
2: Pretty much, uh, they're they're uh, they're fairly open in terms of you know community groups and you know you don't have to be like a, a registered business or incorporated group in in order to do that
1: do you have to live in the vicinity of the, the-
2: um, no no and and um, and you can also do it uh in conjunction with other groups and in fact that's one of the things that I think they encourage and generally make sense if if um if groups are, are working together or if, you know, if, if people have individuals have particular concern and they can find a group to work with, then, then that makes a lot more sense um, to to make the most of the, the money that's available, but also to, uh, you know, coordinate the, the the involvement.
1: Right. So perhaps four groups could make four applications and get uh, four, uh, uh, for grants, uh, max uh, $12,000, and rather than working in isolation, maybe there could be a coordinated uh, effort among. Several...
2: Yeah, yeah, and and ideally they could show that in the application, saying, "Look, we're going to work on this aspect. Um, you know, maybe we will be working with different different groups or different constituencies. Maybe we're, we'll be focused on different aspects of the environmental impact. Um, you know, and then and then that's." That's sort of the ideal scenario, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, It's asking
2: a lot, to be honest, you know. (laughs) Well, I
1: I mean, even to find, uh, you know, find the expert and, you know, have negotiations with that expert. I mean, uh, it sounds like, you know, a long time. Melanie Smith said, um, you know, it might be, uh, you know, uh, a year before the next uh, stage, uh, you know, begins. But of course, um, you know people are busy and they're not uh, necessarily available in the two weeks that you want them to be available. So it would appear it would seem that people should start thinking about uh, what they want to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that's been a problem at, at different points. You know, you, you get you get the funding lined up. You you talk to some people and say, okay, we actually we know some experts we can get get them to help out. Um, and then, as you say, you know, two or three years later, when the thing finally pops up, and uh, they might be busy doing something else, you might be scrambling to um, to find a substitute or, or to make a different arrangement. For sure, that's just the way the system's set up, and unfortunately, there's no there's no flexibility there. There's you know, the the, the company has as much time as they need to gather information and, and put together the environmental impact statement. But then, when it's back to the the public process; the clock starts ticking right away.
1: Yes. Uh, now, uh, you've reviewed the uh, the registry document uh, submitted by uh, Marathon Gold, and they've it would appear from their that document they've already done a fair amount of research. Would you think that um, much of the work they have to do for the environmental impact statement is already done, or are you thinking they'll need a lot more? research before they're they're um, they're ready to submit
2: they they'll, they'll have to do a lot more planning i think um, i mean there's there's questions about the completeness and accuracy of of the work that they've done but also typically there's a lot more detail provided in a full environmental impact statement um, you know, they, they have to provide all the details of the, the mine plan. What are they going to do with the waste? Where is that going to go? You know, like the, not not just sort of the the concept, but a, a detailed plan that, you know, engineers can review and, and pick holes in, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as it were.
1: We've heard about the new uh, Impact Assessment Act that will uh, – take over from the the legislation now in place uh we we refer to it as the the harper environmental assessment act because it was barred in during the harper government and uh, though people uh weren't um it, the the new act got mixed reviews i think it's fair to say that uh, it's better than the one uh, currently in place so, can you, uh, what, in, especially in terms of public participation, what are the differences between the new act, which will not apply, unfortunately, and the one that will apply?
2: Yeah. So, this is a whole new. Well, I'd say it's a whole new, a whole new piece of legislation. But in in some respects, it's it's a, it's not that different than than the Harper one. It, 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 the structure is sort of the same. It, it has a project list. It's not going to go back to the the previous system where you know any uh, any fisheries authorization would would trigger an environmental screening at least, and and then if it was found to be a serious issue, then it would go to environmental um, assessment. So it's you know, and and I think that's one of the things that we're still waiting to see. Uh, is, is how the regulations look and, and is it in fact going to apply to more or fewer projects than than the Harper legislation did. But the process is is different in a, a couple of important respects. And one is that it has much more of an emphasis on early planning. So, you know, the the process that we just went through where there was a, a project registration and then, um, you know, a quick sort of review to see if, if an environmental assessment was actually necessary and now the guidelines, that process would be much more involved and would we'll start earlier. So rather than, you know, um, hundreds of pages of documentation or even just, you know, I think I think it's like an 80-page document um, that we're looking at now, you would have just a general proposal that says, hey, these guys have done some drilling. They think they're going to build a mine. Um, this is the location. Uh, what are the impacts going to be, you know? What are the, or what are the potential areas of impact and, and who could be affected by it? And, and that's where, you know, you would, you would start and the public process would start much earlier. So rather than the, rather than the proponent, uh, developing a mine plan and sort of poking around and looking at the environmental, um, possible areas of impact and they would, they would do that, um, after this this initial public process and that's where um you know right uh, much earlier in the process you'd have a chance to to identify uh, you know who's got an interest in this land and and who's downstream and and uh, you know who needs to be at the table and and what kinds of issues are important and you know rather than leaving that up to the proponent to do at the outset and the other big difference is that there's a broader range of issues that that are to be considered. So it's not just the impact on the environment, on the fish and wildlife and and watersheds. It explicitly looks at the impact on communities on um short-term and long-term economic issues. So, you know, not just the employment provided by the project, but also what what's the impact going to be on the the broader community. And and not just in the short term. So looking at other land uses, looking at tourism, looking at um, at fisheries, looking at uh, hydro development, and and so on, like, and and looking at some of the alternatives. So you know, if it, are there different ways of of mining this deposit if that's what people want to do, or are there other considerations and and other development plans for the area that that um, you know would either uh complement or be in conflict with uh, a mine development so that those are the kinds of issues that that the new legislation brings out and and it also looks much more explicitly at the the impact on indigenous and treaty rights it looks much more explicitly at the impact on on women and different you know different sectors of society, not just sort of the aggregate uh, is it going to make money? <laughs> so, yes. so those are all those are all I think important differences with with the new system and you know uh, the hope is that that those having those things on the table will lead to much better decisions in the long run.
1: Yes, I guess under the current system the the proponent sets the agenda because the the the, the main public participation will be after their environmental impact statement is in and people will be responding to that. Uh, responding to the issues set out in that uh, report uh, as opposed to the the new system as you say when people are in there earlier um, and are highlighting other issues that might not be highlighted by the proponent.
2: Yeah, and and that's the idea, and, and and the idea is that in the long run, it makes the process run more smoothly because rather than the proponent being surprised and uh, you know like, oh, well, we had no idea that there was a tourism development here, or that, you know, that that outfitting and and sport fishing was a big a big thing, uh, you know, that'll be on the table from the outset, and um, you know, so that's 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 the idea, and as. This is uh, obviously a new process. We don't know how it will actually work, but, but that was the, that's the hope of, of setting it up that way.
1: Yes. Well, we're, we're stuck with the, the Harper uh, legislation, and uh, I guess people will have to work with that. And um, uh, I guess the next step is to wait for this uh, participant funding announcement, and um, we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, the one thing I'd urge people to do is just, you know, think about what the implications are of, of, you know, a large industrial project and, and what kinds of, what kinds of issues that might raise for them. You know, what, how's that going to affect people? And again, you know, not just in the short term, but in the long term when the mine is going ahead over the course of a decade or two and then when it's closed and you've got Millions of tons of toxic waste sitting there. <laughs> hey, but how are we going to deal with that? You know, who's going to be responsible for that and how's that going to be dealt with?
0: Jamie Neen from Mining Watch Canada. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of McMahon Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, and CHMR. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and support Mi'kmaq Matters at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.